So the market's been falling and we're hearing words like corrections, bear markets, recessions, but what do those really even mean? And most importantly, what does that mean for your retirement investments? We're gonna dig into all that and more on this episode of The Retire One Show. Hello and welcome to The Retire Once Show. The show is designed to help you get to retirement, but most importantly, stay retired. I'm your host, Jonathan Rankin. I'm joined by my lovely co-host. Hi, I'm Melissa Rankin. And today we are talking all things market volatility. I'm really excited. We've got a jam-packed show for you today. But before we jump into that, do us a favor, hit that subscribe button if you're watching us on YouTube, or if you're listening to us on Apple or Spotify, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you're notified every time we drop a new episode. So so how are we doing today? There is a lot going on in the world, isn't there? There's a lot going on in the world, and there's unfortunately a lot of sad, bad, I don't know, negative stuff, I guess, is a better way to sum it up. I mean, Ukraine, markets, everything. We're just... Yeah, it seems like it's coming at us from all angles right now. I think, you know, on top of top of Ukraine, on top of, you know, the markets, we've got high gas prices due to inflation and oil and everything. Bad time for our upcoming road trip this weekend. No kidding. We've got the Fed on the verge of raising rates. And remember, remember COVID? Yeah, that's still a thing. COVID is still a thing in some places. So uh, we still have that in the backdrop. If I, I think the world would crumble if we got another variant. I think it probably would. I think it I think I would. personally could not handle another another thing. Or if we go back to schools being shut down, I know for <laughs> a fact I cannot handle that. <laughs> no, me neither. And uh, not only that, we still have a midterm election to come this year. So there's a lot of things that feel extremely overwhelming right now when thinking about investing, retirement planning, you name it. You throw all that stuff in the mix and you know, there's always going to be some other thing that comes at us. So it just, it feels like right now we're in this period of volatility in the market and, and life. And it just feels like every single time those happen, the news always makes it feel like it's never going to end. Well, the news is doomsday. I mean, (laughs) anything you think could go wrong, just turn on the news and it's already happening and going to happen again and going to get worse. I, I remember 2008 when the market was falling then and it went bottom in 09 and every headline for some reason was always that the market's going to go, go further. It's got more to lose. It's going to collapse. Our banking system's going to crash and you know, we're going to have to rely on gold and guns to, to survive. <laughs> I mean, that's where we're headed now. If you turn on the news, even with gas prices, they say they're still going to be going up. Yeah, I hear you hear talks of eight dollar a gallon gas in certain places of the country. And in the beginning of the pandemic, we had you know the market fell by thirty four percent in the first thirty three days. And on top of the market correcting, it felt like this pandemic was never going to end. Nobody understood at that time, and it just it always feels like when we're in bad times, it just feels like it's always going to get worse, doesn't it? I think it feels that way because the news makes it feel that way. All of the media that we get, and it's coming at us from all angles, not just you turn on the TV anymore and that's where you get the news. It's you open your computer, you turn on your phone, you're doing anything online, and you're getting social media coming at you with more bad news (laughs) or variations of the already bad news getting worse. I mean, there's so much of it. And it it seems like 
even when it's not investment related, it's just life related. Bad times just always seem to never end. I mean, I, I think back to last year, the, the deep freeze here in Texas, when, uh, when everything, we call it Stormageddon, Stormageddon, that is exactly what we call it. And God, I remember that first night we, you know, we walked out the first day, the snow started falling and we actually were able to enjoy it for what? 30 minutes long enough to get the kids bundled up, which took about an hour. And then we walked outside for about 10 minutes and then they were cold. So yeah, about a half hour, I guess, give or take. And then the news came that they're going to be rolling blackouts in Texas and we lost power and we expected the whole time that it's going to come back on that night because there's no way they're going to leave us without power. Actual words that he said multiple times when I wanted to leave the house. Yes, she did want to leave the, the city, and I said, there's no way. They're never going to let this continue. They're never going to let this go on. It's no, freezing. It's freezing. So we got to the point in our house where we were, it was what, 20, it was like what, 20 or 19 degrees in our in our living room. Our dog's water bowl actually froze. Solid. A block of solid ice when we lost power, water, everything. And we actually stayed in the house that night for the first night where it was, you know, both of us, um, my mother-in-law, so her mom, our two Thanks, kids, mom. and our dog all piled onto one bed with pretty much every blank that we could just to survive that. With about five layers of clothes on all of us. And then it just... It, even after that first night and we were able to go find a place that had power and we were able to stay somewhere, even then it felt like it would never end. And it just, it felt like those days lasted weeks and it just continued. Like we didn't know when we're ever going to get power back. We never knew, you know, is our house going to be livable because, uh, we had about what 31 busted pipes in our house, 31 pipes at our house froze and burst. So we didn't have running water for a very long time. I just want to throw in, if you're catching this for the first time, our house is about 100 years old. It's not like we have some modern home and it's like, wow, that's crazy. How did that happen? 103 years. Our house is 100 years old. So that adds a yeah. little bit to it. We came to find out we have no insulation, a, a other slew of problems, I guess you could say, which kind of brings us back to... It Bad just, things feeling like they're never going to end. Yeah, if our house is so old that if they did a new story on it, it would be this house survived so long because it drank a Coke every single day of its life or went on a long walk every single day. You know, one of those stories. But yes, it just felt at that time like it was never going to end. And right now it feels like th the world issues are never going to end. The market's going to keep going down. This Ukraine invasion uh, you know, by Russia is never going to end and gas prices are never going down. And it just seems like it's always going to get worse. You know, but I think back to even the first day that Ukraine got invaded and the market was down over 900 points, but then actually rallied at the end of that first day. And day two of that invasion, the market at the time had the best day of the year at that time. So it's you, you look back and go, well, the best thing that you could have done was ignored the market and gone on vacation, but it's not that easy to do not that. Not to Ukraine, of course. No, not at all. And you know what's not easy to do is ignore everything, especially when things get volatile. But the reality is that volatility is normal. I mean, you know, we're expected that the market over time has volatile periods. What's not normal are the three back-to-back -back years of amazing growth that we had from 2019 to, to last year. You have to go back to what the mid '90s, mid to late '90s to have three better consecutive years than what we had. So that's not normal. But what we're going through, unfortunately, it's painful. But it's it's it is normal. 
When you couple on the pandemic that we've been going through, do you think that plays any part in why the last three consecutive years have been? You know, the the pandemic just, it added vol- volatility in the middle of 2020. But then from there, we've had so much uh, easing financial policy by the Fed that really helped prop up risk assets. You know, it almost felt like there was nothing that was going to stop growth assets because the Fed kept printing money and kept infusing the the market with liquidity and so that made it very easy for the market to continue its rise and now that we're seeing the fed slow down on its quantitative easing and they're going to essentially start raising rates here soon that's a tightening signal to the economy and to the market and so that's why we're started that's why we started to see volatility at the beginning of the year what we're seeing in ukraine and russia that just added to those pressures but we were coming into this year we knew that the fed was going to have to combat inflation somehow and now that we're seeing things thrown around like corrections and bear markets and you know the talk of a possible recession, you know that's where people start seeing their account balances go down and the concern really start to creep in, especially for those fear the panic. I mean, and naturally, it's normal. Absolutely, especially for those that are you know near or in retirement, it really becomes a you know a worry that is at top as at the top of the mind when you're using that money that you've saved for 20 or 30 years. And now it's, you need to hold on to it. Now we're starting to see that start to go down. So you mentioned um, a correction, bear market, things like that for everybody out there. What, or I guess, how can you explain the difference to us? What's, what's the difference between a bear market and a correction? I mean, it sounds like we're due for a correction, but does that mean we're headed toward a bear market? So technically a correction is when the market falls by 10%. So once it hits that 10%, that's what they define as a correction. So when you hear that on, you know, the on, on TV and people talking about, well, we're in correction mode, that means that that market or investment has is down 10% from its high. So right now we're seeing a correction in the S&P and the Dow Jones Industrial Average. And when it comes to bear markets, that's where the market falls by over 20%, which we're seeing in the NASDAQ. Now going back to corrections, this is the 25th time since 1950 that the market has dropped over 10%. So it, it is normal. It's okay. You know, on like average. 25th time. I mean, that's, yeah. Yeah, 25th time in what, 72 years? Yeah. So it, on average, it happens every 410 days. And uh, it's actually, it's been 635. So we're a little oh, overdue. we're way overdue. Yeah. So um, the thing about corrections is that 68% of the time, the market actually is positive 12 months later. Now there is the possibility that we, go into a bear market, which means that 10% decline becomes a 20% decline. So a correction doesn't necessarily mean that we're heading into a bear market. No, it, it doesn't at all. It's, you know, we have to, we have to go through a correction to get to a bear to market. Get close to one. Yeah. Because, you know, going down by 10%, well, you have to go down by 10 to get down by 20. So uh, 48% of the time that we experience a 10% drop, it does continue further and go into a bear market. But bear- so half the time. Half the time, but bear markets are normal. Bear markets, you know, since 1928, there have been 28 bear markets. Now, those are a lot more painful because on average, they typically go down by about 35%. So they're much more difficult to stomach. Yeah, they're a lot. Absolutely. Because they they last nine over nine months. So uh, 9.6 months is actually how long they last. So, uh, you know, if you, if you get pregnant and have the baby, you know, Odds are you you went through that uh, the, you know that bear market. You could have made it if through. If you have a boy, maybe just think about naming him Bear. I don't know. 
<laughs> so you know, we usually get a bear market every 3.6 years. And since 1945, there have been 16 bear markets. So one every three years and four months is typically what we see. So when was our last bear market? So the last bear market that we had was in the, during the pandemic in March of 2020. So we did see a, a bear market there. It obviously quickly rebounded and the bull market continued until what we're seeing right now. And so, so kind of like a mini one there, if you will. It was, it was fast, but it was definitely not many, <laughs> many in terms of days, but uh, it was, it was impactful due to the velocity of what we saw of how far it went down and how fast, but those, those two terms get thrown around a lot, corrections and bear markets. And, you know, a lot of people have confusion about, okay, if we're in a bear market, does that mean that we're in a recession? And if we, you know, what does that really mean? So when looking at being in a bear market just means your financial assets are down or an investment is down by 20%. That has nothing really to do with a recession. Uh, recession is an economic indicator of two consecutive quarters of GDP decline. So the world around us, not just the financial sector. Exactly. So things like economic output, wages, industrial production, retail sales, those all go into that GDP number, which the stock market doesn't go into our GDP number. So the market can actually be down, but that doesn't necessarily mean we're in a recession. In fact, you know, during the past 12 recessions, the average return on the S&P 500 was actually 3.8%. And stocks have actually been up four of the past nine recessions. So just because we're in a recession doesn't mean the market's going to go down. And just because we're in a bear market doesn't mean we're going to go into a recession. Okay, so we're a correction would have to happen before we could hit a bear market. Doesn't so does a bear market have to happen before we hit a recession? No, it, it, they're completely separate things. In fact, uh, since 1950, we've had 21 market corrections that have taken place without a recession. So it, it is very possible that we can have a, have a decline in the stock market, but not have an economic decline in GDP. Those things are completely separate. Whereas we would have to see a correction to have a bear market. Exactly. So okay. corrections in bear markets, those are in the investment world. Recession, that's GDP, economic indicators, uh, unemployment, things like that. Now, when you start seeing a decline in GDP, what that means is that companies are scaling back on production. They're scaling back on employment. So it easily could lead to that, but it's not a, it's not a, a definite hey, we're in a recession, so the market's going to go down. It's just we've experienced that in the past, just recently with the pandemic, where we briefly dipped into a recession and the market fell pretty quickly. Obviously, we experienced, experienced it in 2008, 2009, and then going back 2000 to 2002. During those periods, we had recessions and bear markets at the same time. But historically, it's not always a, you know, a must that bear market means recession. We're just used to seeing it because we've gone through so much bad, I guess you could say, over the last few years that we're used to, or I guess it's assumptive that they go together, but that's not necessarily the case. Exactly. So there, with all the headlines that are out there, I think there's a lot of, a lot of questions about what should you actually be doing with where the market is today, how volatile it's been, you know, the talks of bear markets and recessions and corrections and looking at a statement most likely every month or the past couple that have 
been declining in value. Even every few days. Yeah. It's easy to think about, okay, do I need to do something? What should I do? And usually the first thing that always comes to mind. Sell. Everybody always thinks. Get out of here. Get out. Let's <laughs> just sell. Let's wait till the market gets better. And there's a uh, there's a great chart by, uh, by Ritholtz Wealth Management that is talks about reasons to sell. And uh, guess what? We actually have charts on the screen. Now, our production value is amazing. If you're not watching this and you're only listening to it, oh, you should you're head to YouTube. Out. You're missing out. We've got this amazing chart on the screen now. But uh, if you look at this, there have been so many reasons since the bottom in 2009 to sell. I mean, things like the talks of a government shutdown, Brexit. Uh, remember the BP oil spill? Oh, yeah. yeah. There were so many different times where you know the dow fell by over a thousand points in what was that march uh or i'm sorry the uh yeah early 2018 the mar the dow fell by 1100 points and it was the biggest decline ever you know was that a reason to sell but ultimately over time what this is showing is that you go through all those periods the market is higher than where it was during that period so i think looking at what you should do panicking and and selling just everything is just a very, very bad strategy. So the important thing about that is you just don't want to have a knee-jerk reaction to anything you no. see on the screen technically. If you see a little bit of, you know, falling, that's okay. That's normal. And it is normal to feel like I don't want to lose money. I mean, there's a whole behavioral science called loss aversion that we all feel. So loss aversion is the thought that it is better to not lose $20 than it is to just find $20 because you felt like you lost it. So losing is worse than gaining? Losing feels a lot worse than gaining. Absolutely. That is okay. exactly what nobody, nobody really has celebrated. Which that makes sense, actually. I mean, if you think about it, you don't want to lose something because you, you already had it. Well, it, think about how many people really celebrated over the past couple of years past three years, we've had this tremendous market growth and their accounts probably, if they were diversified and they invested in stocks, they, they gained, they were probably at an all time high back in November or even earlier this year. And they're still, if they look at their account balance, still higher than where they were maybe 18 months ago. But, but it doesn't feel the same. It doesn't feel that same, the same at all. And there's no celebration of the, hey, look how far we've come. It's, oh my gosh, look how much we've lost so far. And insurance companies, this is their entire business model. This is the reason why commercials show trees landing on cars to scare you to say, well, just pay us a couple hundred dollars a month so that if this happens to you. We're here for you. We're here for you. Like and a good neighbor or whatever they say. <laughs> the, I mean, I, you've got Mr. Mayhem. Yep. He, he talks about, uh, he's all the whole thing of him is I'm going to scare you into making sure you know if one of these bad is things happens. Is he the one in the army garb? I don't know. Uh, I think, okay. Maybe. He's not the lizard, that's for sure. And oh, I've, I do like the lizard. I have no clue what Flo does, but, she, you know, there's... Yeah, I think she should be a chef or something with the white smock. <laughs> I don't know. Either way, that's what insurance companies do. They play on that emotion of loss aversion. They want you to know if something happens and a tree falls on your house or your house burns down or whatever it may be... Or all your pipes burst. <laughs> or all your pipes burst that they're going to be there to help you. So you don't have to absorb that large loss, but you're paying a small fee every single month. So that's what insurance companies do. It's totally normal to feel that, you know, to feel, 
averse to loss. To not want to lose money is completely normal. I don't want to lose anything, money or otherwise. I mean, I think that's most people. <laughs> but the thought of, I'm just going to sell everything and wait till the market gets better. I hear this every single market correction. When we you know, go back to that slide of every reason to sell, I hear this every single one of those little periods. I just want to sell everything and wait till the market gets better. But what does that even, what does that mean? When is it better? What's better? What is, that's what I always ask. What is better? Is better when the market's higher? Because I've never heard of a investing philosophy that says you want to sell, sell low, low and buy, and buy high. high. <laughs> and that has never been a recipe for investment that's success. That's certainly not our motto. <laughs> no. And that, but that's really what you're doing if you're selling and you're just, you want the market to get better. And it's just, it's just a recipe for investment disaster. And, you know, I just never understand how to quantify that, but it's a common thought. And it always reminds me of like when we were younger and the last time we went black Friday shopping for well, some, now you're just aging us. Yeah, seriously. Some door buster deal that we were, you know, in the mood for at the time. And you Probably get there. Free CD or no, DVD. At that time, $1.50 DVDs. Those were the, no, but I think it was like a TV or something we wanted. And, I mean, we couldn't afford a TV back then. No, he's, this, he's mistaken. It must have been the DVD. <laughs> well, it's like going Black Friday shopping and telling telling the people in line, you know, I'm going to wait till the line dies down, but I'm still going to get the doorbuster. Oh, yeah. Tell somebody who's camped out for two days to get that deal. You know what? I'm going to come back when it's open. Yeah. And you're not going to get the same deal, just like the market. You're, you sell today to wait till things get better. You're not going to buy stocks on sale like they are when they're down. They've at that point, you've missed the sale. And so instead of looking at <laughs> stocks on sale, <laughs> the concept. it is big red tag stocks on sale. Every, buy me, buy me. <laughs> every single time that you go into a store and I know you, when you go into a store and you see those big sale signs, you run to those. But when the market is flashing a so big sale sign. So what he's basically saying is I try to save money. No, what I'm saying <laughs> is that when you see a sale sign, it draws you to that. But people don't see that when it comes to the market. When the market's down, they don't look at it like, like it's on sale. But if you miss out on some of the best days in the market, that can dramatically impact your long-term investment success. There have actually been studies done on this. And you know, if you look back at the best days over the past 20 years, half of the best days in the S&P 500 actually came during a bear market. It would be like me saying, well, some of our happiest days being married were when our house was had all of the pipes burst <laughs> and we had no place to stay. We followed some of our worst days. That's, that's exactly okay. the, the thought is that those, looking back, those will be looked at as our best days when we had no running water and we were trying to figure out I how. I think we'll feel that way, at least not for a very long time, but... But it's in, interesting that the market has played that way. And that, that is exactly what's happened. Missing out on those best days can have dramatic long-term effects. There's uh, a piece by BlackRock that, uh, that looks at looking at the SP from 2001, or I'm sorry, 2002 to 2021. And if you invested $100,000 in the S&P 500 and just stayed invested, didn't touch didn't it. Didn't touch it. Didn't have any knee-jerk reactions, move anything, do anything. Didn't look at anything. it. Yeah, just you just ignored it. For that entire time frame, you would have had $616,000 at the end of that period. However, if you miss just the best five days, so five days, one work week, 
you decided I'm going to go on vacation, but before I do, I'm going to sell everything, sit on the sidelines and I'll buy and back when back I'm, in. yeah, I'll buy back in when, uh, you know, I'm back from vacation. Those five days you would have, instead of having $616,000, you would actually have $389,000. Wow. Over just five days, five days. Now, if you missed the best 10 days, it's actually worse. You went from 616 down to 282. So, Let's take a look at those top days in the market. So there was a study by JP Morgan. Uh, they actually looked at the 10 best days in the market from 2002 through this year. You look at these, the top five, I mean, October 30, October 13th, 2008 is the best day in the market over the past, during this time frame when the market was up 11.6% in October of 2008. Anything in 2008 seems crazy. This is what five months from the bottom. That's what, it, yeah. I mean, yeah, then the, the second best day up 10.8 percent, October 28th, 2008. Then we get to something more recent the third best day, March 24th of 2020, right after the pandemic. The, the bottom of the market on the pandemic was March 23rd, so this was the day after, up 9.4 percent. I don't think anybody at that time thought that. The pandemic was going to get any better, but that's when we had, you know, essentially the government come in and, you know, assist with their large stimulus package, things like that. So it made sense that we saw that rally, but at the time, everybody, we were locked down. We didn't know what we was going on. We all had our masks. We had to stay at home with our kids. <laughs> Schools were <laughs> shut down. <laughs> so you look at these top five days, you go, it makes sense to want to miss those because they were during some really rough times, but just missing those top five costs you well over a hundred thousand dollars in just that one investment. Now, if you had multiple, if you have, you know, a million dollars, what does that mean? And that's now you're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars. So it's, it is important to you know, remember that some of those best days happen during a bad period, but that doesn't mean you, you can't miss out on those or else you're really going to impact your long-term return. So it's important to see them through. It is. And so what can you do? What should you do? You know, this is just, no, this isn't a, us saying, don't make any adjustments to your investments. That's not what we're doing. No, no, we're not saying. No, it's, it's just saying, don't make any knee jerk reactions, to, you know, going all in and selling everything or buying all stocks, you know, doing one way or the other is never an efficient strategy. You know, to me, what you've got to do right now is you want to understand how much risk is too much risk. Now this should be an exercise that you've done regularly. Yeah. On a, on a routine basis that's baked into your retirement plan, but go back to that, go back to your financial plan, which should have an investment strategy along with it. And that should tell you what should your asset allocation be based on how much risk you're willing and able to take knowing you know, what you're tolerant of. If you're, if you can't handle a 10% or a 15% drop because it makes you want to sell everything or panic or do something that you shouldn't do financially, then maybe that is too much risk and figure out what that is, but always bring it back to your financial plan. It, you know, don't try to switch your investment strategy, trying to always switch it up and do the, the next best thing 
as as you would say, and you often do, you don't want to try to get cute with it. No, it's it's like that scene from Office Space where he's trying to navigate in and out of traffic, and every lane he goes into becomes the slowest. It becomes the slowest, and it happens to me all the time with driving. <laughs> but just yes, you do do that. <laughs> you don't want to do that with an investment plan. You know, the goal is you create this retirement plan, you create an investment strategy that it, that works within that, and then you stick to that. You can use this time while stocks are down. You can use this time to rebalance. Uh, you can use this time to make sure that you're continuing to save and your dollar cost averaging in. If you're not retired, you know, continuing to save your 401k is absolutely important at this time. I, I get the question a lot with the market going down. Should I just stop, you know, my contributions in my 401k? Absolutely no, not. Absolutely not. Uh, this is a time where you're buying in when it's cheaper. And one thing to make sure that people are not doing Right now, we've got a lot of stocks that are down 50, 60, 70%. And you know, there are dozens of those. Don't try and cherry pick these, you know, I like to call them value traps. Just because something fell by 50, 60, 70% doesn't mean that it's just going to go back to where it was because there's a reason why it's down so much. So, so more accurately, maybe it shouldn't have been priced so high initially. Exactly. And so that's, and that's what we're seeing right now. It's easy to get caught up in look how far this stock is down. The initial thought is the inverse of, well, if I just buy this and it gets back to where it was, look how much I'll make. It's but there's just, no guarantee it's going to get back there. Not at all. So so again, don't buy stocks on sale. No, you want to buy <laughs> stocks on sale. Just, just be careful of the stocks you're buying on sale. It's, uh, you know, you go to a secondhand store and things are a lot cheaper than if you bought them on retail, but you might have holes in the jeans. That's the way you want to look at it. Uh, just remember volatility is normal. What we're going through is normal since the bottom of 2009. So since March 9th, 2009, the market has had seven corrections, one bear market, and now almost two bear markets and 16 drops of 5% or more mixed into that time frame over the past 13 years. And yet we That's still, a lot. sounds like a lot over that time frame. we've still reached new highs. So stay consistent, stick to your plan, stick to your retirement strategy. If you don't have a retirement plan or you just want help revisiting yours, feel free to reach out to us. We're going to link to that in the show notes below. You can also head to retireonceshow.com to access all of our show notes and everything we talked about today. Before we get out of here, do us a favor, hit that subscribe button if you're watching us on YouTube or if you're listening to us on Apple or Spotify, hit that subscribe button and make sure to rate it five stars. I'm Jonathan Rankin, and this was the Retire One Show. I'm Melissa Rankin. Thank you for joining us.